the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! <laughs> I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into part two of uh, today's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program. And joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes, on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. Paul, welcome back. You bet. Always good to be here. And on the right, longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter. Henry, welcome back to you as well. Thank you, Tom. And last but not least, East Village Magazine Consulting Editor Jan Worth Nelson joining us uh, for this week's edition of Armchair Politics. Thank you for letting me have my my voice there in the earlier segment. Well, your voice is always welcome here. It's a yeah. powerful story, Jan. Yes, and I loved it. Well... Michigan's Bureau of Elections Thursday barred Genesee County Clerk John Gleason from engaging in election administration activities after he was criminally charged in early April. In a news release, the Secretary of State's office billed the Bureau's decision as a way to ensure public trust in the county's elections. In a letter to Gleason, Michigan Elections Director Jonathan Brader directed the county's chief deputy clerk, Leslie Raleigh, to carry out Gleason's election duties. The directive specifically prohibits Gleason from processing voter registration applications, handling any ballots, training election workers, uh, reporting election results, and carrying out post-election audits, among other election duties. Um, my, my question <laughs> is a little facetiously, is if employees can carry out the functions of the election, what do we need the elected clerk for? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure that's much more for a purist because of the arrest and everything else, but that does raise a good question. Yeah. Uh, My impression, Paul, is that the people that are going to be carrying out the various functions of the election are the same people who were going to be doing it, whether John yeah, Gleason that, that, was arrested or too. not. I, I don't know that, that John goes out there and picks up the ballots and uh, passes them out and all that kind of stuff either. That's true. Now, I have a question for you, Tom. Now, if you're convicted of a felon, the law prohibits you to serve in a position. Now, how do you reconcile this? problem i'd have to go back and look up the charges to be honest with you henry i can't i can't answer that precisely because i'm not sure that these charges against uh, gleason are felonies 
I don't think they were. If I recall the initial story that I saw, I'm not. I but why was he arrested like a crook? He, you know, they treated him like a real criminal. You're not uh, the first person North I've North seen. Everything else. You're you're not the yeah, first person you know, I've seen. Yeah, there's something wrong with that. You're not the first person I've seen, I've heard ask that question. Yeah. That is a good question. They treated him just like he was a criminal. You know, you, unless you, uh, for misdemeanors, people don't always get arrested and chained and, and robed. to a red suit. They, they put him in a yeah. red jumpsuit. Yeah, they had yeah, a red jumpsuit, jumpsuit and then they had a, a mugshot. They ran on all the media. And right then the this was one of the men for a long time that had the public trust. And, and then you put him in that red suit like that and chain him and bound him. And stuff like that. You treat him just like he was a pirate. Well, perhaps so. they they wanted to get those pictures on file because they think they might need them again. <laughs> well, I mean, I I just keep thinking like you guys are implying like what else is there? You know, I I don't want to defend John Gleason, but I mean, there have been many times when black men, let's say, have been. Thrown, have been arrested and thrown into orange jumpsuits and their mugshot sent out. Uh, you know, that 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 happens, and I don't think John Cleveland yeah. should have been given any special treatment. Uh, but but, but, but you're, you're, you're right, Jen. The ju- charges were kind of obscure. I mean, it was based upon but, that. But that, it was that, not a felony. In Chiawassee County, and that's how they cover up in the, in the office. But when, when, when the black men shoot people of their own, they make murder. He should be in one of those suits. But uh, if he's not uh, guilty of a felony, then he should be treated like all men are treated. But I don't so think who, that if John Gleason... Yeah, if John... Well, but, but the law should stand for justice and, you know, overdo it. Uh, so now... Um, People are looking at this, and everybody who holds a position of trust is capable of doing the same thing. That is a crook. He should be in a red suit. And I don't know whether that drives us to some kind of a resolution that would change the attitude of people who think that our government is run by crooks or not. But I think it was a bad thing. If and those, and, the, and those are all decent questions and observations because um, it it seems pretty clear that um, John Gleason's being thrown under the bus. Yeah, yeah, that's and that's, and that's not that's, and not for uh, and not for what he's being charged with, which is some technical thing involving a. a Government-sanctioned uh, wedding. Yeah, an odd so. wedding over in Chiawassee County. Then and he didn't, he didn't necessarily office. steal any money from the government either. But, uh, you know, guys, and this is a Democrat that I'm defending. Remember that, because justice well, you know, I think should be blind. I think it, it may be, be the blind. fact that he's, he's offended some, some Democrats around here. I think oh. what Tom is saying, I suspect there may be some retaliation of that kind. I don't know yeah. for a fact. I don't know any... any details here, but I, I have a hunch that he has irritated some powers that be for a variety of reasons over the years. And maybe yeah. some payback there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that could be, I mean, but, but yeah, justice is justice. That's exactly what it is. You know, the whole issue is so exasperating is how do we, how do we extract or uh, accountability for bad behavior? 
Like, it doesn't seem like, you know, if there was bad behavior, of course, it, you know, they should proceed. But it just feels like this whole method that's in the air of how do we get accountability for bad behavior? How do we move ahead from that? Um, it's very confusing right now. If he, if he indeed committed these crimes, you know, go for it. Uh, I love to see anybody these days in high positions of authority be held accountable. Uh, it's just exasperating. So I don't know. There's so many questions on this one, and it's the whole thing is, is annoying. Well, here's uh, here's another I'm, one I'm that I have some... I, I have procedural questions about recall petitioners that fought to gain enough signatures to trigger a special election against a Davison school board member are suing the Genesee County Clerk Register, John Gleason, in an attempt to get the uh, recall placed on the November ballot. The recall effort ended up falling short by less than a hundred signatures after hundreds were improperly tossed out according to recall petitioners. Gleason called the recall effort off with a letter from his office to Janessa Phillips, the recall sponsor, and Matthew Smith, Davison school board member, on February 14th. Can and and I don't know if any of us know the answer to this, but can a court ruling bypass the petition process and order a special election? Uh, well, they do that all the time. They decide whether something is is uh, is uh, correctly worded and stuff like that. It's prepared and and ready for public consumption. They do that all the time. I don't know whether they can't. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, mean, they could, if they, I think they could theoretically, if, if they found that Gleason's actions were wrong and he wrongly tossed out those signatures, they could revalidate the recall petition, I suppose. But, but then the deadline for turning in the petition yeah, has gone by. That's right, that's right. So... I don't know the answer. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, that's why I said I had a kind of a procedural question because as I was, as I was reading about the suit, I thought, okay, so the suit gets resolved. Then what? Yeah. If they decide, yeah, these people got ripped off. They they did have, in fact, enough signatures. Um, does that put the recall back on track, <laughs> or has this been uh, effectively thwarted, with or without the lawsuit? You know, we have to begin getting some of this stuff right. Are people going to walk away from democracy? You know, well, I'm not sure that history of this kind of stuff. I, I was going to say, Henry, I'm not sure that parade hasn't already started. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think, I think be, be, between that and the, and the state takeover of the city, I think that's where you see the low turnout for so many city elections these days. I mean, there's a great yeah. cynicism about the whole process, and I think that's why we get a 20% turnout for some elections. We're lucky. I know. It, it's, I just find it so sobering and depressing. Uh, why is it that people aren't showing up to vote? Why, you know, but then when you look at the lunacy that's happening in the Split City Council half the time, it's like, <laughs> yes. those, I mean, those are, theoretically, those guys... Those people were elected through a democratic process, but by a tiny minority of the people in the city. <clears throat> you know, is that really democracy? And and then we pay the price for it, right? 
There, I, yeah. I was looking at an old story of mine where I interviewed Herb Winfrey, and Herb Winfrey said, the city is what it accepts. The people of this city is what it will accept. It, you know, it was something like that, that this city is the result of what people will accept. I think I got the quote right. Yeah. And that just, that just makes me, oh, that's so insightful. This is what we're accepting. Is this what we want? With our vote or lack of a vote, this is what we're accepting. We have the responsibility for it. No, I think, Jan, you make a good point. I think, you know, in, in the larger sense, democracy in general is, is, is facing some real hard pressures. You know, not that's yeah. not just locally, but nationally and even internationally. It's, it's, it doesn't seem to be working as well as it should be working. And see, these are the bigger issues that should be permeated throughout the population. More people need to talk about where, where we go from here to help yeah, us right. um, organize yeah. how we reconstruct society in our its institutions. Because right now it will self-destruct because there's no nothing holding us together. Right. Right. I feel that too, Henry. I feel that there's not enough holding us together. I really do feel that. Well, that's why I think it's so important to talk about some of these things, whether it's, you know, um, Eric Mays being dragged out of a city council meeting or uh, John Gleason facing charges uh, or, or um, you know, some of these things that happen locally. We need to talk about these things, too. We can't make it all... Yeah. You know, we can't make all of our political discussion about abortion and gun control. True. That's right. True. Yeah. I, I feel like, you know, just to, as, a, as a little quick comment on that, thank you. Uh, I feel like... The, uh, the whole abortion debate through the decades has um, sort of taken over the feminist movement and um, in some ways that I think is painful. And it's like there were so many other things to be worried about uh, and to be working for, but that one, we got, we got pulled into that where it came down to, are you for or against abortion? And that's it. And that was it, you know. And there's so much else. Um, I was thinking that at some point you might want to have Bobby Clayton Walton on the show again because um, the things that she posted on Facebook about what's going on were really good. Like she was saying, it's not just about Mitch McConnell and um, and the Supreme Court and Donald Trump. It's about some things that have been happening for 50 years, you know, not, and not just about abortion. So. It has, and it's to your point about sort of what feels like the gradual diminution of participation in the democratic process and why that's happening. It's, she uh, it was really on target, I thought. See, I have another, uh, another issue coming up right after the break um, that uh, involves um, the kids who got sick at uh, the Clio area schools. Mm. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, um, but but from you know, but from a procedural thing, uh, there's something interesting going on there that I want to bring to your attention and see what your thoughts are. But we need to take another break, so we're going to let our broadcast partners squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. They are WFOV, our voices radio, uh, ninety-two point one LP FM Flint, and. Um, 
If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. There's more straight ahead. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Bye from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I've got willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed. It's a robocall. Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, File a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it. You're busy. But you know, Janine's daughter is a doctor. 
She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue with today's edition of Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program with Roundtable regulars Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by Jan Worth Nelson. And welcome back, everybody. I mentioned uh, before we went to break, um, let's see, uh, the principal of a uh, Clio area schools elementary school where several students reported feeling ill, including some with symptoms that required them to be hospitalized, posted a weekly update video Sunday, May 1st, reminding students to not eat food that does not belong to them and to not <laughs> share their food with others. Chip McCallum, the principal at uh, Edgerton uh, Elementary School, delivered the message two days after his school building of more than 420 students was evacuated when between 15 and 18 students reported feeling ill. Four students were hospitalized going into Saturday but were in good condition, officials said over the weekend. He urged students not to share their food with others and to not eat food that does not belong to them, a message that comes in the wake of Clio Area Schools Superintendent Fletcher Spears III saying the district believes the six students ingested something. Please do not eat food drink or snack that does not belong to you please do not share your food drink or snack and that's simply for everyone's health and safety McCallum said in the message the Genesee County Sheriff's Office which is investigating the incident did not immediately respond to a request for additional information on Monday the cause of the illness has not been released McCallum said in the message that all students are safe and with their families should this event be investigated by the sheriff's office or the county and or state health department? I mean, unless there's more to a story than I realized, I, I, I thought, was there, now is it accurate that those, those whatever food was, was it? Was marijuana laced? That was where yeah. he said that. I, I didn't hear story. that. I didn't hear There's that. a follow-up story, guys. The, the, the updated story is that that investigation is ongoing. And the sheriff has, uh, has found that uh, that there was food laced with uh, marijuana. And I heard there were criminal charges, but my question was whether or not this was simply an accident. The kid picked up the wrong box uh, at yeah. home, or was it something more intentional? And I don't know the answer to that. I don't think the parent really did that to hurt any other kid. I really don't. But she was negligent in having something like that exposed in it. Refrigerator and the kids, uh, oh. they, they will share what parents do. If they put a little dab of this in theirs, <laughs> the kids will go back in the same breath. Rich school, a lot more fun. <laughs> kids uh, kids are good to parents. But, you know, she was negligent. That was not, well, I have been places where there were uh, ingestibles present. <laughs> And and there were effort, and there were efforts being made to ensure that certain people didn't get them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to go in too much detail. 
<laughs> and, and did you know of what a strong response the principal uh, took on that? He says, kids should not eat other kids' food. Stay away from them. It's not yours. Don't eat it. They're followed by the superintendent saying the same thing. That's to protect the school district. The school district yeah. has the deepest pockets, and people will go after them. And yeah, well, with those, yeah, with those them. kind of rules, though, how, how are you, you going to sell brownies? That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, by the way, a curious sidebar to this story, I, I see stories that say that local veterinarians are saying they're seeing more dogs and cats and other pets showing up with similar kind of symptoms because they, oh they nibbled God. the wrong stuff around the house. But part of the growing up and learning how to fraternize with each other is sharing each other's foods. That's a, that's a cultural thing. True. And, how, and, and to say that, it's contrary to getting kids to, to learn how to live with other kids. You know, they, they break bread, as the Bible has always said. And, and kids love that. I don't know. And, it just seems the, like we're moving from bring a dish to pass to bring a dish to pass out. Yeah, right. <laughs> it gives, uh, it's, it's high school. It's high school in a different way, isn't it? That's right. That's right. See, there's part of the thing that school districts have to do is to teach kids socialization. The scary see, thing about... All, all academics and socialization. The scary thing the, about this particular yeah. story, Henry and, and Jan and Paul, is this was an elementary school. Yeah, true. You know, this, this, if this was high school, you know, we could yuck it up some more and, and you know, have some jokes because these are the kinds of stunts and weird things that happen at high school. But it's it's when it gets that young, it's a little yeah, bit scarier. It's awful, yeah. Oh, so what can, you know, how can kids feel safe in their schools anymore. I, I, I feel so sad for so many of these young kids that have had their education interrupted so, you know, dramatically and school shootings and, and something like this. It's like, for me, I loved going to school. I, I went to a really good public school all the way up through graduation. I, I you know, and are there places now where public schools are places of joy for you know education yeah um, yeah on zoom yeah yeah, <laughs> about no, you're, yeah you know jan i was struck it was a few years ago i was going with it with a friend dropping off some things at local schools and i was struck at even at some some elementary schools there were all these you know glass barriers and security doors yeah. and everything else that i never recalled when i was a kid uh, yeah, it's a very strange feeling. Yeah, I uh, you know, it took a Paul, lot of. Paul, effort. when we were kids, they didn't have that stuff at the airport. That's right. right. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. 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 Huh. Yeah, you just well, walked into the airplane. You, you didn't have to go through a security check line to go on the get on an airplane in those days. That's right. And the and the Flint yeah. public schools now are talking about. I know maybe you're going to go into this later, Tom. I don't know, but are talking about closing some more schools. They're turning. They haven't. They haven't confronted the Mott Foundation's offer to help them rebuild schools. Uh, I, I don't know what the you know what the future holds for the kids in Flint that go to public schools. That's it a mistake. Like, um, 
Yeah, I've... It is. Not to work with the Mott Foundation is a mistake. I agree. I, I saw a story on Facebook that, the, that Pierce School in our neighborhood, Jan, may be facing closure. I know. There's a buzz in the neighborhood about that. I think people yeah. would show up for that meeting. That would be very sad. Well, here's something I brought up um, a, a little earlier, and I, I want to try and get back to it because I'm curious what you all think about, about this, and, and in particular, um, Henry, because uh, Henry, Henry gets knocked around a little bit for his association with the GOP, but... Um, That's all right. I love the GOP guys. <laughs> Well, but I don't like everything that they do. I don't follow blindly on everything. You know, there are things right. that are coming. Understood, Henry. But but here yeah. is someone who loves the GOP, also. Maryland GOP Governor Larry Hogan was expected to call for a course correction for the Republican Party following the Trump administration during a speech last night according to prepared remarks obtained by CNN, a party that lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections and that could even beat Joe Biden is desperately in need of a course correction, Hogan planned to say to an audience at the Ronald Reagan Library in Simi Valley, California. The truth is the last election was the truth is the last election was not rigged it wasn't stolen we simply didn't offer the majority of voters what they were looking for hogan one of several republican party figures to speak at the uh, reagan library's ongoing time for choosing series will also call the insurrection at the u.s capitol on january 6 2021 an outrageous attack on our democracy and will blame it on former president donald trump's inflammatory false rhetoric he will cite a long list of political losses for Republicans since 2016 and refer to it as the worst period for the GOP since the 1930s. Wow. Trump said, we would be winning so much we would get tired of winning. Hogan will say, well, I'm tired of our party losing. Hogan's remarks come as the two-term governor is positioning himself for a potential run for the White House. A relatively moderate Republican, Hogan has been critical of Trump's influence on the party and even considered challenging Trump in the 2020 GOP primary. He has said if he had been in the U.S. Senate, he would have voted to convict the former president in the 2021 impeachment trial. The question is, can the more moderate members of the GOP regain control and direction of the party? Well, I, I, I don't think the party's say, ever lost it. The party, no, they're actually winning. That's how it feels today. It feels like the extremist wing of the party is actually winning. Yeah, well, look at the yeah. Michigan, Michigan Republican Convention of a few weeks ago and uh, yeah. and what happened there. I mean, it was basically Trump ran the table for, for nearly all the candidates. Yes, yeah, so now that appears, and he won last night in Ohio. That's so, right, that's true. Um, uh, yeah. So uh, 
uh, there is an enigma that uh, we don't understand yet. And, you know, and the strangest thing is, historically, when, when a president, when a candidate loses an election for president, they are almost considered on the outs in their own party, and they have almost no influence. To see the yeah. kind of influence Trump has got after losing in 2020, and in some ways in 2016, too, because he didn't get the majority of public votes even then, to have the kind of influence he has is just remarkable. I, I cannot think of any other losing candidate who's had that kind of hold on his or her party for anywhere in, in American history. Well, you know, part of that... Well, part of that is due to the fact that, that there was the evidence that people were hiding votes and stuff like that, and they were, uh, and people who had died uh, had voted and so on. And so, oh, not, I am not sure that that incident rate was high enough to uh, make this kind of a concern for it, but there was evidence of it, and people never forget those kind of things, and they regurgitate them year after year. Oh, I know. So, it's a cult of personality. It was a lie. You it know what's true. What, it wasn't true. And and what's interesting is there was a, um, let's see, where was it? Three GOP gubernatorial candidates hoping to unseat Governor Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan this November must fend off complaints challenging the validity of the signatures they filed. Um, <laughs> on their nominating petitions to make it on the August primary ballot. It says the challenges against former Detroit Police Chief James Craig, conservative commentator Tudor Dixon, and Oakland County businessman Perry Johnson could threaten their uh, candidates if successful. The complaints, three from residents represented by Democratic attorneys and one from a conservative political action committee, alleged that all three candidates included signatures from dead voters and may have relied upon petition circulators who forged signatures. Uh, Tuesday marked the deadline for filing challenges to the gubernatorial candidate's signatures. The Board of State canvassers must complete its canvas of the nominating petitions for the August primary by May 31st and the Secretary of State must certify the names of the candidates who qualified for the primary by June 3rd. Are these Democratic challenges unfair to dead GOP voters? (laughs) (laughs) So what what, yeah, let's uh, expand the electorate and let dead people vote now, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just because you're dead doesn't mean you can't vote. Yeah, but but you know now, these that, are people who voted all their lives. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but this is a challenge that we've got to overcome. We, we, we've got to overcome uh, this idea of of calling an election fraud. Um, somehow we got to get over that and. And, uh, right. 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 Why can't Ooh, candidates uh, uh, just have better ideas than their opponents? Exactly. Thank that's, you. That's that's what it should be all about. And I'll go back to the line I've used a lot. I, I I would argue that this last election was probably the most honest one ever. I mean, it wasn't perfect. There were flaws here and there occasionally, but compared to any other election, with all the double and triple checking they've done, it was probably our most honest election we've ever had. I would suspect. But we can't move forward until we clean up this this idea. It will always linger. And I'm hoping that the Democrats won't do what the Republicans did and, and call it a fraud. 
Now, not the Republicans, but some wings of the party will <laughs> qualify. But I just hope if that does happen, then you can say goodbye, Mr. Democracy, Uncle Sam, because people won't gravitate so quickly to the idea of living in a democracy. No different yeah. than a fascist. Now, and probably worse. This this is yeah. interesting because more and more we're starting to see, and and I see it on both sides of the aisle, but because of where we're at with a Democrat in the White House and the governor's mansion, we see it um, maybe spotlighted a little more uh, on the GOP side of the aisle, but the the parties internally seem to be eating themselves. Yeah. And here's here's one and this is something to really ponder um as as we retire to our homes this week. Um there's a bizarre metamorphosis. This is a little think piece from from CNN that really got my attention. There's a bizarre metamorphosis happening in American politics as culture takes over the conversation. Republican politicians are choosing the war on wokeness over their friendliness to big business that was their guiding light for decades. Florida Republicans are on the cusp of a whirlwind effort to punish Disney for its opposition to a law many consider to be anti-LGBTQ. Meanwhile, in Texas, the governor is threatening he could use his power once again to slow border traffic with arguably unnecessary safety inspections to make a point about immigration. These various political statements have consequences for LGBTQ kids, parents, and teachers in Florida schools, for people in Orlando who might feel an increased tax burden and potentially for all the Americans who get food or products that cross the southern border. Which is preferable? Policy that makes good politics or using politics to make policy? Unfortunately, these culture wars tend to work. They, at least they have for the last couple of decades. They've been a very powerful thing, unfortunately. But, but and, you know, I would... They, it moves us away from real policy. You're exactly right. But I would insert, Paul, that they work in elections. I don't think they work You're, in governing. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, 100% right. I agree right. with that. Exactly. exactly. Good point. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that um, these, these leaked uh, comments or the comments from this new book about Mitch McConnell's um, scratching his head about uh, Liv Cheney's behavior relates to this conversation where he said he couldn't figure out why she would compromise her opportunity for continuing power in her reaction to Trump. Like, do you guys know what I'm talking about? That Mitch McConnell said, yeah. why didn't she just ignore him yeah. like I do? You know, but she, <laughs> could not, and like, she couldn't let it go. She couldn't let it go. And she's going to lose her... You know, she's going to lose her power by this. I mean, I think that's such an, a revealing but, comment about the way things happen. But not her self-respect. That's right. That's it. That's it. You know, like people like Rob Portman, for instance, I could never understand why he behaved the way he did. But he always seemed like a man of 
character to me, but this is an example of so many that uh, it was all about power getting to. And then when, 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 how does the policy play out from that? And it's ugly. Hello. Yeah, Wait, we're still there. We're, we're all still yeah. here. We okay, just... that, that seemed like I didn't hear anybody. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't hear anybody either. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... no, like I say, it's, it's unfortunately like I say though the, the the culture wars make make I mean ones that are more emotional and more exciting. I suppose to cover in some ways, but the the real business of government often isn't the exciting stuff. It's going through a budget, yeah. things of that yeah, nature yeah. That, that are not a lot less. A lot less yeah, exhilarating, but, but it's, it's more. I guess it's more exciting yeah. to go out and yell about abortion or gay rights or whatever the other right. issue might be. You um, know, I I uh, I sort of would echo recent comments by Charles Blow, the columnist who I admire, who said, you know, it seems that we voted for Biden because we all wanted things to be more boring after those rocks. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's true. Yeah. And then you know, when we got the boring guy, we don't like it. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Hey, you make a good point, Jan. If one thing is true about people like Trump or, or Mary Marjorie Taylor Greene is they're entertaining. I mean, they're, they're it's kind of like a car wreck. They're fun to watch in some ways. <laughs> they're a good yeah. story, but they're disastrous in other ways too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Be nice to have a combination of the two—a dynamic leader who could convince exactly. us all. Exactly. Using good arguments, as Tom as Tom Sumner said. Tom, are you there? I am. Oh. And and I was just I was just looking over the results from uh, the the special election yesterday, but th- there really isn't very much to talk about. Um, uh, there were I think four things on the ballot in Genesee County that didn't affect all people in Genesee County. The city of Montrose had an abatement. Uh, mosquito abatement program it's pretty clear uh, with uh, 90 to 10 percent margin there that Montrose people do not like mosquitoes Um, (laughs) who are the 10 percent who are in favor of mosquitoes (laughs) yeah I I, you know I wondered that too Paul to be honest with you Um, but uh, Carmen Ainsworth had an operating millage renewal renewals typically uh, do pretty well and as this one did 70 uh, to 30 percent in favor Sinking fund renewal uh, proposition for them as well. Similar margin, uh, 68 to 32. Um, and then Kersley Schools had a district bonding proposal. That one was a little narrower margin, 55 to 45 um, in favor of that uh, of that proposal, but there there wasn't really a lot to report on yeah. and talk about. No, no, so. no big surprises there, really. So uh, with that, we have uh, one more break <laughs> before we go to um, mm-hmm. the X Files. Although some of these stories have sounded a little bit like X Files already, <laughs> but but we Indeed. have we have one coming up. Um, let me see. <laughs> We have one coming up in the first segment of the X-Files. It's kind of a hat tip to Star Wars in honor of uh, today being Star Wars Day. 
So may the 4th be with you. We'll take a short break and uh, let our broadcast partner squeeze a few words in. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. We'll be right back. Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic. And guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now. And now, too. And even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 15th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell. East Village Magazine. Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMagno. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. W.H. Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Long Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan, Flipflip Technology, My Community College, it's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to Tom at TomSumnerProgram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Rangers Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Do you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, Visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom It's Dana. Dana? Something must be wrong. She never calls. Dana? What's wrong? Take this down. She's stranded on the side of the road. I'm not. She needs us to send her an Amazon gift card. I don't. And she'll use it to pay the tow truck driver. I won't. Mom, Dad, that's not me. It's a scam. Scam artists will call, text, or email people trying to get them to buy a gift card from Amazon or some other company. And then ask for the gift card number over the phone. 
Remember, gift cards are for gifting, not for paying people. If someone asks for payment using a gift card from Amazon, Target, or some other store, it's a scam. Hang up or delete the message. These scammers are awful. Wish they'd pretend to be her brother sometimes. Be nice to hear from him. For more tips on avoiding scams, visit michigan.gov slash AG for your connection to consumer protection. I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into one of my favorite parts of armchair politics every week, the uh, coveted X-Files. And we uh, (coughs) open today's edition of the X-Files, those weird and wacky stories, um, with one that's uh, really in honor of Star Wars today, which is today, May 4th. May the 4th be with you. John Greenwald Jr., who operates the Black Vault, a website dedicated to revealing declassified government documents obtained via Freedom of Information Act requests, said he asked the Barack Obama Presidential Library for anything it has on UFOs and related phenomenon. When he got What he got back left him absolutely floored. The Obama Presidential Library just informed me they have approximately 3,440 pages and 26,271 electronic files that pertain to my request. Unfortunately, Greenwald won't get to see any of those documents and electronic files anytime soon in a follow-up tweet He wrote that the library won't let him view any documents in person and estimated it would take 16 years to fulfill his FOIA request. Is this extraterrestrial (laughs) catch-22? Sounds like it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll take a color lid. Well... Here's one I got a kick out of. A lawnmower thief's ass is grass if cops find her after a low-speed getaway towing a stolen University of Alabama yard sign. Now, this is in a stolen lawnmower. Police in Flomaton, Alabama, on Wednesday asked for the public's help in identifying the suspect, who was also accused of pilfering a trailer she used to haul away the large A sign, often associated with Crimson Tide Sports. Is it ironic that this thief would end up with a, quote, A for her effort? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I I'd love to see the chase camera stuff of the lawnmower <laughs> speeding away at <laughs> two miles an hour. Well, you know, I always <laughs> laugh when there are these these uh, uh, thefts and and uh, 
traffic violations and so on using riding lawnmowers. Remember the exactly. Guy, remember the guy down in uh, Oakland County that got arrested <laughs> yeah. riding oh, that's his right. yeah. lawnmower yeah. over to the convenience store to pick up some beer. Mowing <laughs> 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 a lot of the influence. <laughs> That's oh, always that's been the American spirit. Yeah, that's what I'm. You know, you got to be a serious beer drinker to get a DUI on a lawnmower. <laughs> a lawnmower. <laughs> uh. Well, a Florida man was sentenced Tuesday to two years in federal prison for using his twin brother's stolen identity to obtain tens of thousands of dollars in military veterans' benefits. Wayne Bowen, 64, was sentenced in Jacksonville Federal Court, according to court records. He pleaded guilty in January to aggravated identity theft. He must also pay $63,773 in restitution. Uh, Bowen admitted to federal agents that he had been using his brother's identity for years, prosecutors said. Bowen had obtained a Florida identification card using his twin's identity. He initially told the agents that he and his twin had served in and been honorably discharged from the U.S. Army, but later admitted that those were lies. Based on Bowen's fraudulent use of his brother's identity, the VA provided him with $32,434 in medical services. HUD provided him with eighteen, almost $19,000 in housing subsidies, and the U.S. Department of Agriculture funded uh, $12,434 in nutritional, uh, nutritional benefits for him. Uh, according to officials. Bowen's twin, who lives in another state, confirmed that he didn't apply for any of the benefits and that he never gave Bowen permission to use his name. <laughs> how did he get caught? That's what I was, I was you were reading like, that. I was wondering, yeah, how did they finally catch him, I wonder. This seems like the perfect crime. I mean, yeah. you are the twin of the person whose identity you stole. It's yeah. practically your identity. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. This is one of the weirdest <laughs> identity thefts I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> strange. Yeah, I think if the I'm ever going to steal somebody's... Yeah, if I'm ever going to steal somebody's identity, I want it to be somebody who looks just like me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is just such a weird one. But that wraps it up for uh, today's edition of, um, well. It wraps it up for today's edition of uh, the X-Files and armchair politics. And uh, and really, our our uh, Star Wars Day show. Um, and... and uh, of course, on that note, I, I want to share the greeting. May the 4th be with you. Um, I want to say thanks to uh, Chris Douglas for uh, joining me for the first hour this morning to talk about the economy. I want to thank uh, J.D. Weingarten for sitting in with us for a little while to talk about uh, uh, the 
leaked documents from the Supreme Court indicating that they might turn on uh, Roe v. Wade. And uh, also to our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter. Guys, it's always such a treat to, to know you'll be here and share your thoughts every week. Always great to be here. Always great to talk to everybody. And and thank you and thank you, Jan, for your great story. Yes, I enjoyed that. That very very powerful. Was something to hear and and to get yeah. it from a person who you trust and you believe in, not just a politician, right. but a person who has right. some integrity. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Henry. And the, if you the respect is mutual, my friend. If you enjoyed um, that share that that Jan did today. I, I recommend that you read her her writing because that's what she does. Right. She shares of herself in in a way that really only the best writers ever do. Uh, thank you so much, Tom. Anyway, it's uh, I, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. Of course, uh, that happens a lot when JD's around because he takes up a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> but we love JD. Yes, we That's do. Right. Yes, we do. In fact, um, I can't remember who it was sent me uh, sent me a note uh, last time he said he called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, you know, if you ever need somebody for armchair politics, and I thought, wow, you know, it's been a long time, but yeah, it'd be great to have him back, and so I had him back. And I got an email after saying, you should get J.D. back on, you know, from time to time, which I will do. Yeah, he's a lot of fun to talk to. Yes, he is. Yeah. But I was... But uh, then that's what makes this show unique. You have people who can come in and and revitalize and add new blood and spark new fires and stuff like that. We love those kind of guys. <laughs> and well, JD is one. And and I've got some good ones coming up. As an interview I just did uh, recently with um, a, a guy who uh, has some has some thoughts. He's from New Orleans, but he he runs a, an organization that, that addresses. Uh, racism and, and uh, public image of uh, people of color and he wanted to talk about the uh, the incident at the Oscars mm. and it's it's oh, yeah. pretty interesting uh, pretty interesting conversation that would be interesting anyway that wraps it up and um, I, I thought we were going to have some time to squeeze a few more words in but not really because I see uh, we're coming right up on uh, smoking George Winters is going to start tickling the ivories here about any minute, and uh, it'll be time for me to head down the hall to the living room. But then there he is. But but thank you all, and uh, have a good evening, everyone. And again, thank, thank you. you. Have a good evening. Thank you, Paul and Jan. And may thank the you. F- thank you, Jan, Henry, Tom, thank you, and Tom. Tom. And may the fourth be with you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> may the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> all right, take care. Good evening. Once again, that's uh, Smoking George Winters, Tickling the Ivories. I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. 
many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.